no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the 40 Yard Switch, episode 9T, the big 9-0. We are into the nervous 90s, to use a cricket analogy. <laughs> uh, but this is a soccer podcast, <laughs> so that doesn't really work. <laughs> episode 90. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's crazy. I don't know, what a way we've come. Uh, you just heard there the dulcet tones of Wilbur Luke's. I am Jasper Woodcock. And yeah, let's kick things off with uh, the biggest news in uh, the English football world, um, possibly even the European football world over the last week, is that Chelsea finally uh, sacked Graham Potter. It seemed like the the chips were on the table, or wait, what's the saying? Where like it was inevitable. Writing was on the wall. Writing was on the wall. Yeah, yeah the writing was on the, <laughs> the chips were on the table. Chips are down. Yeah, uh, the writing was on the wall for some time. Um, they had a brief three-game resurgence, but overall, it's not just that the results haven't been there, the performances, some of the team selections have just been questionable. I don't necessarily think Potter is a bad manager. I just, it just, for whatever reason, it just wasn't working. Yeah, I, th- I think we mentioned in the podcast last week that he was sort of looked like he was doing all right because yeah. um, he obviously won the, the Champions League game. Um, but then, yeah, I think there was the that loss in the league at the weekend to Aston Villa, yeah, yeah, and he was sacked after that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's there's sort of like mitigating circumstances. I reckon you know, obviously, Angola Kante has been out for most of his tenure. Reese James, Ben Chilwell, um, also out for most of his tenure. So, yeah, there's mitigating circumstances, but it definitely hasn't gone to plan. No, not yeah. at all. Uh, yeah, but like, I, I think, yeah, he hasn't been helped by the situation and now if we look what they're about to do, like I understood it if they were going to bring someone in straight away, but then you're seeing the reports that they're in now in advance. I think, I think Fabrizio Romano just here we go to like, yeah, it's been a couple hours, like, so Frank Lampard, you're going to bring in as as a nine game interim manager, which shows you that there's clearly no vision to get any further in the Champions League, there's clearly no vision to try and make into a European spot mm. if that's what you're hiring. So what difference does keeping Potter till the end of the season and then sacking him and signing a manager in the off-season have than sacking him right now? Yeah. Literally makes no sense and just points to more and more and more like useless management from Todd Bowley and co. Yeah, yeah. It definitely seems like that. that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, why on earth, if you didn't have something concrete, like a, a good other option, why on earth would you part ways with Potter? Yeah. I think may, maybe the thinking was sort of like, oh, if we sort of make room, then we'll we'll get... It looks like they want Nagelsmann, really. Yeah. It looks like Nagelsmann and Enrique are the two front runners for that job, with Nagelsmann probably slightly edging it as a favourite. Uh, but if both of them are like not ready to sign on right now and want to wait for the off season, then you just keep the manager you've got. Mm. Like there is no point. Or, or if you sack him, you just you don't bring in a brand new person to caretaker coach. If unless you think that person can like like only time that type of caretaker coaching happens is is if it's to save a team from relegation, like a Roy Hodgson. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're Chelsea, you're sitting you're sitting in eleventh. 
you can still feasibly make it into the European spots. Yeah. And you've got Champions League ties against Real Madrid next week. Yeah. You don't bring in Frank Lampard. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, that Chelsea still have a lot to play for this season. Mm. Yeah, I think especially with Champions League. Yeah. And I reckon that's probably where they thought Nagelsmann slash Enrique um, would help out. But it's kind of... I th- I, to, to be fair, I think as a, as caretaker coaches go, Frank isn't a bad appointment no, because he not. knows the playing group. Yeah. But apart from that, it's it's really it's really, yeah really not ideal. You know, to be fair, he knows some of the playing group, but like the squad's been overhauled to the tune of six hundred million pounds since he last managed it. Yeah, true. So true. It's like how well does he? he he'll know Mount and Gallagher and a few others, but like how well does he really know the playing group as a whole? Yeah, yeah, because the playing group he had was quite you know kind of young English talent. Yeah, yeah, because they had the transfer ban at the time. Yeah, look, it's a head scratcher as you scratch your head. Yeah. <laughs> It's very strange. Um, there's no vision. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, yeah. Bizarre. And I just think, yeah, the, the way Todd Bowley has, has run the club since taking yeah. over is a bit bizarre. Like, they were just sort of, you know, like, like definitely, like, going to give Potter time. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, yeah. sacked him. I just think... When there's no clear alternative. The more and more I think about it, the more and more I think the sacking of Thomas Tuchel is one of the worst decisions Chelsea Football Club has made in, like, at least the last five, ten years. Mm. Like, we thought he was struggling at the time, but he is, without a doubt, a very good manager and might have been underperforming slightly, but not enough to sack him. And if you now look, he's walked into the Bayern job. First game, he win, beats Dortmund 4-2. They're probably going to go in the league now. And yeah. then the disaster that's happened at Chelsea since they sacked Thomas Tuchel. I, I, I don't think it's a hot take to say I guarantee you if they had a stuck with Th- Thomas Tuchel, he'd be, the Chelsea would be better off right now with all the new players they've got than they were with, than they would be with Graham Potter. Yeah, 100%. But I th- it, it was a weird... I think it has to have been something behind closed doors. I don't think the performances warranted him to be sacked that soon. Yeah. Well, there was the whole Ronaldo thing, but it was just a weird time at Chelsea because under the Abramovich regime, it wouldn't have been odd for Tuchel to get sacked given his performances. But they were—I don't think they were that bad. And also, like, I feel like Abramovich—he wouldn't have sacked someone after just giving him three hundred million pounds of transfers. He would have given him like a little bit. Like, he, I think he was sacked three games or four games after hmm. having yeah. that money spent on him. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a strange. So I, I, I think it's definitely helped by hindsight. Yeah. I think. We both thought the Graham Potter would would do quite a good job at Chelsea. True, we did say that. Yeah, but it's, it was a strange time because one, you've got the shadow of the Abramovich era where he was so cutthroat, and you want to do that, but also the new owners coming on and I suppose wanting to have their sort of um, imprint on the uh, on the football club. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I guess they want to mould Chelsea in their own new way. But if you sort of historically look at it over the last 10 to 15 years, no manager that isn't an already big name has done well at Chelsea. I'm not sure if me and you have spoken about this off-air or not. Yeah. But, like, if you look at the managers that has that have succeeded, you took, like, Mourinho's, Conte's, um, uh, <laughs> there's other ones. Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel, yeah. yeah. Mourinho's, Conte's, Tuchel's, uh Ancelotti? Ancelotti's, sorry. And then you look at the ones that haven't succeeded. Graham Potter, Andre Vies... Oh, no, not Andre Vies... Yeah, Vies... Vies Boas was there for yeah, a little bit. Andre yeah, Andre Vies Boas, Graham Potter. Like, Di Matteo won a Champions League, but still, like, he's a small name and didn't really work. Gus Hiddink never hung around for very long. Rafa Benitez didn't do... Like, it wasn't amazing. Yeah. 
I think Lampard and Di Matteo and Lampard. are, interest, are and interesting Lampard, yeah. ones because they did a good job, but I don't think they were ever fully accepted. That's what I mean. Yeah, they're, not, they're not the big name. They're not a big name. Because yeah. like the big names garner a lot more respect and a lot more you know, time, for lack of a better word, yeah. from the fans and, and by extent the ownership. Because of like, look at my resume. Yeah. Whereas when you like Chelsea at the cutthroat club nature of the club that it is, if you if you are a Di Matteo or a Lampard or a Vias Boas or anyone, you don't get that when mm. maybe you should. And like, I'm not saying that Potter necessarily deserved it, but like, if this if the, if, if if Chelsea struggles similarly under uh, uh, Nagelsmann and Enrique next season, how quickly will the axe fall? You know. What yeah. I mean? Yeah, uh, Nagelsmann would get the most time, yeah. I reckon. I reckon uh, en- Enrique is like a you know second best if they can't get Nagelsmann. Enrique, I think, is a good manager, but he he's like, he's he plays good football. But the trophies he's won, you sort of question how much was it him and how much was it just Messi, Suarez, Neymar playing in the same team together. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason I say like Enrique second, not because of anything how he is managing. I just mean I reckon from Chelsea's. Oh yeah. From Chelsea's, he fits um, the mould as like a young. That's, I mean, Nagelsmann is the one they want, and that's probably why Potter got sacked. So yeah. that's why I'm thinking that he's second choice. I think he'd be good. Yeah, I think he would be good too. I think both both candidates would be great. Um, but yeah, Nagelsmann fits the bill of like you know seems to be brilliant young tactical mind. Mm-hmm. Um, has done well with you know bringing clubs up. Um, just very weird. Like, yeah. Like regardless of what they do in the off season, the, like the way Chelsea has been managed this season has just been a bit of a disaster from start to finish. Yeah. Um, and I can, no hate to Frank, but I don't see them now making even they might make a Conference League push. Maybe I don't see it though. Imagine, like, <laughs> imagine if Frank Lampard now won the Champions League with with Chelsea. After, yeah. after being sacked at Everton I mean it's not going to happen but yeah, yeah, yeah. imagine <laughs> uh, I think I, it's I, a possibility and I'm, I'm now probably going to reverse even though it was a bad take to begin with I'm going to probably go back on my take for Chelsea to beat oh, yeah, next yeah. week <laughs> I think um, that's, yeah um, but yeah anyway let's keep it the more rolling speaking of uh, speaking of sackings or in this case uh, parting of ways Leicester have agreed to mutually part ways with Brendan Rogers, uh, six hours after the t- Thomas took that uh, Graham Potter uh, sacking was announced. True. Um, weird timing, but again, writing was kind of somewhat on the wall with the performances and seeming sort of the body language of players at yeah. the time um, after the Crystal Palace game. Um, but yeah, then but then they went and lost two one to I think it was less to Bournemouth and. It's not looking great for them, if I'm honest. Yeah, wait, who'd they lose to? Oh, no, they lost to, they lost to Crystal Palace. And then, then did they lost play Lost to Crystal Palace, and then they lost to Aston Villa this morning. Oh, Aston Villa, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not looking great. Yeah. I mean, it's is is it sort of a... Rec- I mean, because defensively is the issue at Leicester. Yeah. Is that is that a recurring thing with Brendan Rodgers? Not always. I mean, the Liverpool defence, when if you look at it before... Klopp took over, which is around the time Rodgers left, right? Yeah, he was Rodgers left and Klopp yeah. came in. I mean, it, that was what was spoken about the most, the way that Liverpool's defence was transformed. Mm. And it was pretty bad before that. I mean, like, not terrible, but like... 
I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out what went wrong because he is a good manager. And like he had been doing so well with a pretty similar team. Although I will say like injuries to key players in defense this season hasn't helped. And also losing Wesley, losing Wesley Fofana. Yeah. And losing John. Uh, the Kagler Soyuncu's form dropping off, of, seemingly dropping off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, then being left. And then after, after Fofana left, being left with literally only one fit center back and, um, uh, Wout phase and then having Daniel Amati and various others sub yeah. in and, and then finally and, and the fill-ins just being like really not up to yeah it. and then picking up Harry Sutar who could potentially be good but hasn't you know hasn't wowed he hasn't been yeah, no. poor but he hasn't wowed no um, yeah and then obviously you got season ender- season ending injury to James Justin again oh uh, yeah and then you got Timothy Cassano and Ricardo Pereira and whoever else they seemingly play at fullback um is a, Ricardo is a, Perot's just come back into the yeah, squad hasn't he? and he's been ages. quite good and after being out for ages yeah so it's just it's it's been a bit of a revolving door situation at in defence for um for Leicester but it's just I don't know like I guess at some point you just got to be like well we're we're about to get relegated and if nothing and like the body language of the players after the defeat to Bournemouth and again after the defeat to Aston Villa it seems to not be great so yeah I guess they just needed to change something I think I think it's sad to see Rodgers go but I think he was potentially given a bit more time because he's Brendan Rodgers as well I think that Leicester probably could have moved earlier which is something that you don't say yeah. that often I agree I think he has earned the extra time because he's Brendan Rodgers but yeah they're really not in a good position no and they've and, had no new manager bounce and with with and with the quality in their squad too like like them and West Ham should, shouldn't be nowhere near the relegation zone but yeah. it just shows you that quality of individual players is not always equal quality of a team I suppose and yeah um I know we did our relegation predictions literally last week literally last episode but Leicester and West Ham, after seeing how West Ham lost this morning to Newcastle, are both. I'm worried about both of them. Mm. Um, yeah, but then again, like there's so many, like the only the only team I'm starting to not be worried about is Crystal Palace. I think with Roy, they'll just figure it out. But any team there could really drop now. Yeah, I don't see Leicester going down. I you think don't? I, I I think if they can just. Like, maybe they play a bit more defensively. Actually, t- to be honest, I haven't seen them play that much in, in recent weeks. Yeah. But I just feel like you can shore up defensively a little bit. And, you know, they've got they've scored 40 goals for. That's, like, miles ahead of anyone else. Yeah. So they've got in quality in offensive positions but and, and in midfield. But, yeah, yeah. It's just defensively they've been shocking. Hmm. I, yeah, I, I think Leicester will have enough in the end. Yeah. I think you got Madison and Barnes. And That's the thing, though. If they do go down, it's going to be a, a shopping spree for Premier yeah. League teams from their team. Like If you look at the players that, that, like, that, that will keep, stay in the Premier League if they go, if they go down, Madison, Harvey Barnes, Patson Dacca, Wilfred Ndidi, Timothy Castagna, James Justin, Ricardo Pereira, like all of these players. Dewsbury Hall. Dewsbury Hall. All of these players are, are easily Premier League quality. Yeah. And it's the same thing for West Ham. If West Ham go down, like Declan Rice, uh, Zuma, Zuma, Suchek, uh, Pakatar, uh, probably Skamaka. Um, what's it? The which, fullback? Which fullback? Cresswell? What was the other one? No, the Czech. 
guy? Is he is he Czech? Kufal? Yeah, Sufal. Yeah, Sufal, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Timo Kera, like Alphonse Areola, like. Uh, and just to quickly touch on West Ham, I don't know why they haven't dropped Fabianski. Like, Alphonse Areola has been sitting on the bench and putting in good performances every time he's called upon, and somewhat they still stick around with this 38 going on 39 year old goalkeeper who this morning just made, looked like an absolute fool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult one, and I think if Moyes doesn't drop him next week and they lose again, I mean, I don't know, it's gonna, it's not, it's not gonna look good. It's not gonna look good. I think Moyes has also earned earned more time than other managers would have in his in his position because of how well he's done with West Ham over the past three years. But yeah, I think yeah, they could have gone sooner as well. Yeah, other managers. If they do go, I think he will be gone within the next few weeks if he doesn't turn around. Yeah, yeah. I just get the feeling. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Last thing. Uh, last thing I'll say before we move on to, to sort of game stuff is that there is going to be a massive amount of managerial talent on, on, available for clubs this off season. Just, just off the top of my head, we've got Zidane, uh, Enrique, Nagelsmann, Pochettino, Brendan Rodgers. That's just five off the top of my head. Yeah, there's, there's definitely more. Like Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Steven Gerrard Steven Gerrard yeah like Patrick Vieira like yeah there's going to be Graham Potter there's a lot of managers out mm. there who are more than capable to manage top clubs around Europe mm. so it's going to be like fascinating probably the most fascinating managerial off season yeah in some time yeah and I mean there, there might be even moves for De Zerbi if he wants to take him I reckon he's yeah. done so well he's not arguably even made that Brighton side even better yeah, I I do think as well though he, I mean it's hard to say that he's still right in the coattails of Graham Potter, but he benefited a lot. I from think the, so, but I th- also I, I think that like they didn't just um, you know, keep playing the same way and with the same players. He's brought in his own players. The rise of um, I think it's Evan Ferguson, the striker, uh, and uh, Estupinian, the left back's given been given much more of a role. So I think he's definitely put his own stamp on the team, but he's definitely he had good foundations to build off. Yeah, but I think yeah, he, he Brighton are playing awesome stuff, and Brighton are arguably they're, they're pushing for Champions League. Yeah, and I think yeah, Brighton. I mean, there's so much that a manager can do, right? Like mm. Brighton are just well run and have good recruitment as well, and that helps the managers a lot. But whoever, whichever manager comes in, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the. The big four will be Zidane, Nagelsmann, uh, Enrique, Pochettino. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where they would go, and then the others that we mentioned. But hmm. if 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 I had to, if I had to, if I was a betting man, <laughs> but I'm not, um, I'd say Nagelsmann goes to Chelsea. Um, Enrique, I don't know where he goes. It somewhere, <laughs> uh, I think Pochettino goes back to Spurs, um, and I think that Zidane takes a Real Madrid job. Um, I think oh, maybe Enrique takes a Real Madrid job. I can see that. <sighs> that would be crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that would be so funny. Uh, I don't think Zidane. I think Zidane. Yeah, I, I mean, if he's going to go anywhere, it'd probably be Real Madrid. But he's, he's already tried that twice. I don't think he'd go back there again for a third time. I think he. W- I think he would. Reckon? I, I reckon, yeah. if anything, I mean, I don't know the other managerial vacancies, but I would say Zidane, Real Madrid, Pochettino, Tottenham, and Nagelsmann and Chelsea. I think Nagelsmann and Chelsea will happen. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, moving on. Let's go through some uh, key games that happened over the weekend. Firstly, City dominated Liverpool, uh, winning 4-1 and uh, dispelling. Uh, I picked them to draw there, but uh, that was just... And to be fair, at halftime, that prediction was looking okay. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah. Um, typical Liverpool just fell apart in midfield, um, and that resulted in both their wide fullbacks looking exposed, Robertson and Trent. I don't think ha- either had bad games, but just got exposed without any cover from their midfield and... Yeah, like the Grealish, the Grealish goal at, for the fourth goal, just to exemplify that. There's a two on one on Trent. He's got no help. Like, what's he? What he? What is he supposed to do? Yeah, I think something that you pointed out um, the other day when we were watching, I think it was that game, the highlights of that game. Um, that there is, there's a lot of spotlight on Trent, but yeah, Fabinho has fallen off an absolute oh, cliff. Yeah, and that's so like, bad. I mean, we're talking about how important Casemiro is for United, like. United's back four and the rest of the team like he was like world class in yeah in my opinion Fabinho was like maybe two seasons ago was the best centre defensive midfielder yeah. in the competition we, we, yeah we were talking about that I remember yeah but now they yeah. much non-existent I saw a compilation of this like there's this German guy on TikTok who does really good um, football analysis um, and I saw a, like a, a video he did just highlighting how poor Fabinho was against City like just like no awareness of players behind him bad touches leading to giving the ball away to give city transitions like it was just a shocking display mm. like and like then you see like henderson's been below par this season then fabinho is terrible it's just a knock-on effect you know like yeah. robertson and trent are like just doing doggies up and down the pitch and then they get caught out and yeah like that like the 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 second goal that Kevin De Bruyne scores is because Robertson's caught it's because Liverpool give the ball away and Robertson's caught f- so high up the pitch yeah. and the fourth goal is a two on one that Trent's never going to be able to no fullback's going to be able to defend that by themselves yeah I think I mean it's probably been spoken about but I mean especially in the context of the potential for Jude Bellingham to come in but the focus has definitely been on Trent like even Van Dijk has escaped oh he's yes he's, he's been criticised but nowhere near as much as Trent, Trent and Darwin Nunez coming in to replace Sadio Mane. Yeah, like he hasn't been as good as Sadio Mane, but, but he hasn't been, been terrible. No, I think Darwin Nunez has got better almost as the season's progressed. Yeah, he's flown under the radar a bit because of the price tag. But yeah, yeah, um, which is an oxymoron really to think he's flown under the radar because of the price tag. But yeah, <laughs> it has happened. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like Liverpool. Still in with a shout to make Champions League, um, but very I can see them probably make probably being in Europa League next season, which will make it harder for them to rebuild. Probably yeah. means they miss out on Jude Bellingham, but maybe it's a good thing. Maybe they should instead of spending 150 million on Jude Bellingham, they can spend 150 million on three good midfielders. Yeah, you know what I mean, so I think that could be a blessing in disguise because as good as Jude Bellingham is, he's going to hamstring financially any team that buys him. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken about Liverpool's like wage kind of like system that Salah broke. Um, yeah, it would be difficult to bring that in, and also yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently they're in for Matthias Nunez from from Wolves, Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of Wolves this season, yeah. but he's supposed to be pretty good. He's supposed Wolves to be the one so. one slightly good player that they've got, <laughs> or outside of Ruben Neves. Um, but yeah. Uh, City, I said, I've said it a couple of times, they're doing that thing they do every season where the last 10 games of the season, they just find another gear. Yeah. And 
I'm very scared for when we play them in just under a month's time. Yeah. We play them in 21 days. and Jack Grealish has really hit his slight, uh, uh, strike. Yeah. Um, He's been fantastic since the World Julian Cup. Alvarez coming in for, I think, his like seventh Premier League start looked... Fantastic. Yeah. And there's been a lot of commentary about whether... I mean, this always happens... Where the city are better without a number nine. Yeah, <laughs> they're just. But he good. is a number. They're nine. just as good. That's yeah, but like they're more like you know that, that yeah. commentary about oh they're more f- flowing. And He's, he 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 uh, he feels like Kevin De Bruyne. No, not Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, Sergio Aguero reincarnate mm. Virus. Yeah, and he was class. Yeah, like he he did the thing where he would drop deep as well, and yeah, um, his link up is better than Haaland definitely. But like Haaland just got this supernatural knack for just finding the back of the net yeah I am sick of hearing that commentary about whether City are better with or without oh I'm so it's just tired like, yeah. <laughs> it's stupid anyway. yeah it's just an easy take to make though, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Um, hanging fruit yeah exactly uh, next we've got Newcastle uh, putting their stamp down for their Champions League push after somewhat of a lull in recent weeks um, but they've found the form in the, in, the, in, the, in the past few games and then capped it off with a Dominant performance against Manchester United, winning 2-0 in a score that probably flatters Manchester United, if we're being honest. Uh, United bounced back this morning with a win over Brentford, but um, at the moment, um, Newcastle's sitting pretty in third. And odds-on favourites to, to probably stay that, probably stay in third. Yeah. on I mean, on form, the, the way form is sort of trending, yeah. United are definitely trending down and Newcastle up. And yeah, they were dominant. I mean, that West Ham helped them out quite a lot this morning. But, yeah, um, yeah, they just look. They just look so good. They've got Callum Wilson fit now, who's like obviously, I think one of the better strikers in the Premier League. Yeah, when he's on form, they've got Isak coming through, who just looks fucking incredible. Yeah, um, so good with his feet for how tall he is as well. Um, and they're not missing Miguel Almiron too much, which I thought could hurt them. Yeah. Although St. Maximin, sort of, as Miguel Almiron's got injured, St. Maximin's finally found his form again after coming back from injury. Yeah. So sort of, you lose one, you get the other. Yeah. Yeah, they just they just look great. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the, the best defense in the league continues to be the best defense in the league. Um, who knew playing three center backs and a right back in a back four could could work? <laughs> mm. They've got yeah, they've scored. Cop twenty goals this season. Yeah, ridiculous. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, uh, they are just looking really good. Again, another team I'm, I'm worried for Arsenal to play in the run into the title race. Uh, lastly, uh, Everton uh, earned a dramatic point uh, at home to Tottenham. Uh, I watched the second half of this game live with Gus, who's folding, well, who's working out outside. Um, and yeah, that was uh, like the second. I didn't. The first half, it looked uh, from what I've heard, Everton were the better side, but no goals. Mm. Uh, but then the second half just erupted with goals, cards, drama, um, and yeah, it was just fantastic. Forty-five minutes of football that I got to watch. Mm. Just, just like a real good brand for uh, advert for the Premier League. I thought. Yeah, I think it was very good for Everton. There was an athletic article I was reading the other day. Everton found a bit more of their kind of like grit i suppose yeah. since dice comes back in mm-hmm. the dice appointment is looking really good yeah um you know i feel like you know players like dwight mcneil have just like found another gear and then the defense is looking so much more solid i, I mean who would have thought bringing michael Keane back in would make the defense more look more solid yeah I, I, only only sean dice probably um yeah. 
but yeah, it was it, it was a great performance. Um, and yeah, I, I think a good one in the run into this relegation scrap that we're in. Yeah, well. good confidence boost. As yeah. for Spurs, I think they didn't have show any sign of manager bounce. Mm. They looked pretty abject for like to be to Everton's credit, they harried them all game. But yeah. like you go a man up, you play well and are on top for five minutes, you earn a penalty, you score a goal, and then you park the bus against with a man advantage. Mm. Like what type of yeah brand of football is that? Yeah, and and you know in the 89th minute you let a player just waltz into within 20 yards of the goal yeah. and have like all the time in the world to take a shot yeah and like like the like argument if you put Michael Caine under pressure he's not going to get a good shot off yeah. he's a centre back and like, like the argument that oh it's a centre back you can give him those is like you've seen enough centre backs over the years absolutely unleash him from 20 to 25 yards like if you give any player any professional footballer even a goalkeeper time and space on the edge of the box they'll hurt you yeah. Like, like, they're professional footballers. <laughs> they get paid millions of dollars a year to do just that. Yeah. And that that goal's not on Lloris either. That's on the on the, on the outfield. Oh, place. no. no I've, There's I've, no way Lloris could I've that. bashed Lloris enough this season, but that's 100% on the Tottenham yeah. defence. Um, but what a fucking moment for him, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michael Keane. Uh, yeah, like, gives away the penalty, gets get almost gets his ankle broken with the tackle, and five minutes later just scores a worldie. Like, yeah. That was that was awesome, and it's then the knee slide to match too. Oh. Yeah, in yeah in, in Goodison's last year, I think that's probably like another, yeah, another classic. Yeah, and I suppose with with Harry Kane's flop and Deco- antics, yeah. Decore sending off the red cards. There, yeah, most players would act like Harry Kane would, like in order to get the player sent off. Yeah. But yeah, he goes down easily. <laughs> he goes in it. Like, I, I, I get that most players would react that way, but it still doesn't mean I agree with it. Mm. Like, yeah, it's it's just shit, in my opinion. Like, I guess I don't force him, force the ref to make a decision, but he, he's only trying to push away at Kane because Kane's grabbing him and yanking his shirt towards him. Yeah. And it's just, he, like, in, if, if, if Kane's like maybe, what, 30 centimeters further away? He just he, the hand misses the face and just brushes him in the chest. Yeah, like it's just one of those things. Yeah, I mean, Dukure needs to be a bit more smart. Smart, exactly. But it's it's it's. But, but Harry Kane instigated the whole thing. Yeah, it's gamesmanship from Kane. Yeah, and yeah. like he does it all the time. Like yeah. he does all the little shit where he like tunnels players when they go up for headers against him and like little kickouts off the ball. Like he's he knows what he's doing with yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah, he he baited Dukure and Dukure took it. Yeah. And so, he, des- he deserved to be sent off. He deserved it, but I still don't like that. Like it's like I don't like any any time a player tries to get another player sent off. I'm like unless it's like, you know, like like you know a horrible tackle like Lucas Moura's. Like I don't like seeing other players be like, oh, send him off. Yeah, for something that was pretty innocuous. Yeah. Anyway, just quickly before we touch on the Premier League games that are about to happen, there's three big ones this this week. Um. um uh, after our prediction in the last episode about uh, Napoli probably going to beat uh, AC Milan considering they're 20 points at the top a couple of days ago uh, Napoli lost 4-0 to AC Milan I saw that I saw the result come up yeah, yeah. I, did you see any I haven't seen any highlights yeah, yeah, but yeah. I saw Rafael Leal had a good game yeah yeah yeah. so very interesting mm. for um, that tie next yeah. week yeah huge huge I mean it shows I mean, probably not many people saw the result coming, but we don't have. Yeah. 
no much idea about Italian football but yeah it definitely makes it very very interesting mm. um, yeah but yeah um, yeah do, do you th- maybe it comes at the wrong time for AC Milan though yeah like, you would have rather that performance happen next week yeah yeah because like you're not going to win the league because Napoli will bounce back as well yeah probably given the but also you can also, you can argue that maybe like the coaches will be like oh here's a formula to beat Napoli that's yeah but then the way it's analysed as well, maybe that, that winning formula can get like, you know. Counted. Counted, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, just, just just adds to the mixing pot of what will be a uh, interesting set of ties next week in the Champions League, which we're not going to give you predictions on because if you listen to past episodes, we have already given you our predictions on that. Uh, anyway, three huge Premier League games uh, this uh, weekend to have uh, that have stake in the relegation battle, the top four race, and the title race. So, uh, kicking us off with the 9.30pm game on Saturday, I will be watching this, um, for sure, will be uh, United versus Everton at Old Trafford. Your thoughts, Wilbur? It's an interesting one. Um... Everton, high on confidence after the result at the weekend, but... Also playing away from home, which is yeah. where they've struggled. Yeah, 100%. And we very rarely win at Old Trafford. United still without Casemiro for one more game, though. Yeah. And I just think, even though they beat Brentford this morning, it, it wasn't convincing. No. They, I think Brentford really didn't take the chances that United coughed up. So I think the the, the clean sheet is flattering. Um, De Gea, again, cannot play out from the back to no. save himself. Which I think will be interesting in the off season because clearly Ten Hag plays out from the back. Um, so anyway, and also, yeah. oh, sorry, I'll let you get back to what what you're saying in just one second. The biggest thing I think about De Gea's issues going into this game is De Gea is known to be terrible at claiming ball, balls cross balls crossed into the box, and Sean Dyche's mantra is set pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as well there, there was a lot of like high pressing against Tottenham as well. And United seem to be seem to almost invite that a little bit. I think, yeah, with the way De Gea plays up from the back, I, th- I think there's a chance for us in this game. Yeah, but my but my brain tells me that probably United will will scrape through. Yeah, I think Everton will want it a bit more in this game because United they've still got top four to play for, but it's a lot more attainable. Like if they lose this or draw this, it's not as big of a hit as if Everton. Don't get something out of this game. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to pick an upset here. I think I think Everton's away form can only you know last. Is I don't think I think it's been getting better in recent weeks. Initially, obviously, Sean Dyche is not going to cure that thing overnight. Mm. But with the two with the two all against Chelsea uh, a couple weeks ago, or admittedly it was Chelsea. But I just think yeah, like you said, United are a little bit for the taking at the moment. And having just come from from a win against Brentford, on one hand you could say that that builds confidence. On the other hand, you could say that maybe papered over some cracks performance wise, which Everton could exploit because if they if they can replicate the work rate they 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 brought uh, a couple of days ago against Tottenham, serious problems for Man United. Plus, I think set piece is huge. Like yeah. Sean Dyche is just going to say let's let's get bodies around De Gea, let's pepper balls into the box every corner every free kick will be massive mm. so yeah I think I think I, like I, I agree that Everton will want it more um, but yeah it's just whether that's sort of because United do have quality and whether that 
they sort of are ticking up again. Interesting stat though that the 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 goal they scored this morning is the first goal they've scored in the Premier League since winning the League Cup. Oh really? In February. Really? Yeah. Damn. They lost seven nil, drew to Southampton, and then lost, lost two nil to Newcastle. And it was Rashford. Yeah. <laughs> so like no one else can score anyway. Yeah. And yeah. to be fair, like that goal like wasn't even like it was like a it was just it wasn't like a amazingly worked goal it was just a ball lucky ball into the box headed down and then a shot that would have been harder to miss than score from yeah Rashford yeah so, watching the highlights this morning I just think like 90% of what Anthony does is terrible yeah it's but then he then he he like assisted the assist it was kind of like a ball over the top yeah. so yeah anyway so um, yeah I'm, I'm gonna pick a um 1-0 away from home win for Everton, Everton. Yeah. I reckon United are gonna struggle to break him down um and I'm gonna say a goal from a corner or a set piece. Yeah, I think you, I think United to score uh, will score, and I've just said they're gonna edge it. But now I'm now I'm thinking I'm gonna go one all. You know one all. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next on the block we've got Spurs versus Brighton. This is a huge one for the top four races. Brighton are I think only one point behind Spurs, but also have a game in hand on Tottenham, if not two games in hand. Two games in hand on on, Spur, on Spurs. Yeah, and four so, points. And they're four points behind, sorry. Um, so yeah, Hugh, this is a six-point game. Um, if Tottenham lose this, then Brighton are one point behind them with two games in hand. And you got to think that Tottenham's top four chances hanging on by a thread. But if Tottenham win this, massive boost for their top four chances. Uh, and Brighton's text dagger. Um, it's at Tottenham, I'm pretty sure. Tottenham for all their faults this season, have played pretty well at home all season. Mm. But Brighton are playing some really good stuff right now. The emergence of Evan Ferguson as a striker up top, I reckon, could really pose some problems uh, for the Tottenham centre-backs who are like underwhelming at the best of times. Mm. Um, how Brighton deal with Harry Kane, obviously like how anyone deals with Harry Kane will be tricky. But I do think midfield, uh, Brighton's midfield versus Spurs' midfield and Brighton's attack versus Spurs' defence Brighton has the upper hand, on form at least right now. You look at Matoma, you look at Alexis McAllister, Solly March, um, and Evan Ferguson against a pretty weak backline. And you look at like uh, Caicedo, um, oh, I guess McAllister is also a midfielder, yeah. <laughs> uh, against Hoiberg and whoever they fill the spot with, yeah, Oliver yeah. Skip. So I Skip think wasn't I, good against I think I think Brighton probably win this, maybe a draw, but... Just the way Spurs were so uninspiring against Everton that I, I without like I, I, they, they, I just don't see the new manager bounce happening yeah. here. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I think if if Tottenham play like they did against Everton, and I think they will, given their sort of non-response to the manager being sacked last week, mm-hmm. Brighton will beat them. I I just don't really see. Yeah, they were just a very uninspired performance yeah. after the manager gets sacked. I don't really like Brighton are just way too good. Yeah, I think also Brighton can smell that like there's something for them to achieve this season. Like they've been building and building and building. What was it, ninth two seasons ago to seventh last season? Like they're like, okay, European football is here for us to take now. Mm. And whereas Spurs are just kind of in no man's land, really. Yeah. Um, the one thing that could be different between Everton and playing against Brighton is that Brighton like to have more of the ball than a Sean Dyche Everton side. True. And Tottenham like to hit the break. 
I feel like I say that every time I yeah. mention Tottenham, but they are very good on the. They break. are very good, but that, that being said, but, they, yeah. they are very good on the break. But they're players that make them good on the break. Your Hyungmin Son. Sons and your Richarlison, or oh, Richarlison's been out with injury, but your, mainly your Hyungmin Sons and your Kulusevskis have been poor this season. Mm. Yeah, Kulusevski been has been not as good as he was, but you know not that far. Been but, okay, but, but Son has been Son's poor. finishing has just been like not nowhere near what we've come to expect from him. Yeah. So, uh, predictions, I am going to go for 3-1, Brian. I think I, 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 this is a pretty confident pick, but like I just think this is going to really compound Spurs' like, issues. Yeah. Like, Brighton are going to come out and just like smell blood from the, from the first whistle and just run all over them. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm picking that as well. I'm going to say... I'll just say 2-0. 2-0 to Brighton. Fair enough. (laughs) And finally, the the, the premier game of the week. Uh, uh, We could potentially pretty much kill off Liverpool's top four titles. Uh, Sorry, the game is Arsenal versus Liverpool. Um, If if we win here, uh, Liverpool could seriously spice up the title race if they get a draw or a win here. Anfield. And it's at Anfield. A ground we've not won at in... A long time. Yeah. Like, years. I think possibly 2013 or something like that. Is a lot. Or 2012. I think yeah, 2012. 2012-13, we won 2-0 when Santi Cazorla and Lucas Podolski scored. Is the last time we've won at Anfield. Yeah. My, like, looking at it here as well, like, Arsenal are still the form club in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, even though, you know, because of City's past, they've got that kind of, like... Um, aura about them Liverpool have not been playing well I think Arsenal will win really this is the, this is the game we're going to break the hoodoo <laughs> I reckon I reckon I, I think it's it's hard to pick I mean you know Liverpool can bounce bounce back I just think Liverpool are a, diff- a different animal at Anfield like, it, like regardless of how bad Liverpool are playing at any point in a season there's just something about Liverpool playing at Anfield. It's almost like there's like this weird sort of like we can't fucking lose in front of this crowd type of mentality mm. in a in a big game. Like you've seen them lose kind of smaller games at Anfield. It hasn't quite been the fortress it has been, but I don't know. This I can see us I maybe not losing, but I can see us I can see Liverpool getting a draw here. I don't know. I I just feel that like, you know, th- this is a game that Arsenal will be up for. That Arteta will get them up for, and then you just look at, you know, Saka versus um, Robertson. Yeah, either Robertson or Simicas. So Robertson's in bad form. Simicas played on the weekend. Wouldn't really have a chance against Saka. Mm. And then you've got Martinelli versus Joe Gomez or Trent. Yeah, I, I, I just, I just think Arsenal really should win this one. Yeah, I like your confidence. I will say. 2-1. 2-1. Because it will, yeah, it will be close-ish, maybe. Um, just to go just, just because there's, this is just a gut feeling. This is this is not a lot of thought in this. I'm just going to say one all. Um, like I said, there's just... He's nervous. Yeah, there's all of, I don't know, there's just something about Arsenal playing against Liverpool for years. Like until we eventually do win there, I'm probably always just going to be a bit edgy about us playing there. Yeah. So maybe this will be the game for, and then if we win this game then from now on I'll start being a bit more confident. But... As of now, one all. I don't think we'll lose. I think we're good enough to not lose, but 
Yeah, I think one all. Just got to recall our Sharvin's performance. <laughs> yeah, but that we still didn't win that game, didn't you? It was a four-all draw. Oh, was it? Yeah, <laughs> he scored all four. That's fucked. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay, don't don't recall that. Before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fun to watch from our point of view. But then Torres also scored two in that game. Uh, all right. Well, that should yeah, that should pretty much do us for this week. Um, lots of football this weekend and who knows by the by the end of by the time we record next week there's probably with two new managers announced in the Premier League um there's also the return of the Champions League next week which we will probably we'll probably wait till those games have happened before we give you our thoughts um so yeah uh big weekend yeah big weekend and a big midweek next week uh, as always, if you've liked what you've heard, uh, give us a uh, follow and a five-star rating on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram, 40rtwitch.pod, for updates on when we post. And yeah, you've been Wilbur. And I've been Jasper. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>